0: Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Melvin, and all I hear is Radio Gaga. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian movie podcast where we sit at the table cinema and eat. Tonight we'll be dining on the Russo Brothers Avengers Endgame. Although Cinematic Doctrine primarily covers non-spoiler reviews, I think it goes without saying that if you haven't seen the film, you might want to skip this episode. I won't be covering any spoilers directly, but my thoughts regarding tone, theme, pacing, characters, and the like will all shed light on the film that you might otherwise prefer seeing blind, so consider this your warning. Concluding the grand tale of over 20 different movies, Endgame brings to close the 10-year adventures of Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow, and Hawkeye. Alongside them, we find heroes they met during their journey from Paul Rudd's Ant-Man to the newly introduced Captain Marvel. Fans have been waiting for this moment, and they sure made it evident with their wallets, as pre-sales put a whopping $250 million domestic income in view for just the opening weekend. And as I write on Sunday evening... The film has already surpassed expectations and made over $350 million. Of course, that's only looking at the domestic box office, as the global total has already broken $1 billion, which is astonishing when considering the film has had incredibly limited marketing. Virtually no interviews discussing plotline, and even Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers joke that the trailers were largely inaccurate and misleading. But we all know the film has been marketed. It's been marketed for the last decade by 21 movies. And leaning on the success of those movies makes it clear why Endgame not only has completely decimated the box office, but is already halfway to beating James Cameron's Avatar for highest box office run in just five days. And that's not even going to all the records it's breaking. A quick glance at Box Office Mojo shows that Avengers Endgame has landed number one on over 30 of their ranking systems and is likely due to dominate many, many more. Now, before we get into the film, let's go over the synopsis. And to be extra careful regarding spoilers, I'll just read the IMDb to keep things as clear-cut as possible. After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. This film is rated PG-13 for sequences of sci-fi violence and action and some language. Compared to Infinity War, there is significantly less violence, and it isn't nearly as grisly. As for the language, there's a typical amount that you can expect from a Marvel film, although maybe a little bit more. It's comparable to something like Guardians of the Galaxy. For starters, I think it's important to acknowledge that critical reception for a film this big honestly doesn't matter. Regardless of what anyone really thinks, something as massive as the climax to a decade-long narrative spanning 20-plus movies is just going to be big no matter what. The success of the whole thing, pulling off serviceable films for a little over a decade, is quite fantastic. Kevin Feige should really pat himself on the back for this one. There's also the fact that a lot of fans have watched these movies since they started releasing back in the late 2000s. I remember being in middle school when Iron Man released and loving every minute of it. I couldn't tell you how many times I had rewatched it, and even now I have fond memories of seeing each Marvel film as they released. Well, most of them. Suffice to say, this is a cultural phenomenon that has grown with many fans, and in some sense defined a chapter of many people's lives, from conversations at parties to late evenings with friends, and some even making wonderful cosplays for conventions. As for me, I'm a bit more casual when it comes to the Marvel films. There was a time where I resented them, and that was likely due to some passive hipster trend I was adhering to, where I deluded myself into thinking non-Marvel films were just inherently better because they weren't Marvel movies, when the reality is that's just not true. I think most people have had some taste of this attitude in certain aspects of their lives. Some people get it with music, refusing to listen to what's popular because it's drivel or too poppy for their interests. Therefore, it must be significantly worse, right? Of course, that was immature and absurd, because there are good Marvel films. Winter Soldier is wonderful, Guardians of the Galaxy breaks into its own mold, and even the initial Avenger film is quite spectacular. Like any other movie, each Marvel film has the chance to be good. You just won't know it until you've seen it. But there have been a few duds along the way. Both Ant-Man films are really forgettable, Ultron was an utter and complete mess, and the first two Thor movies are just really boring. They're such a slog to get through. Marvel hasn't been immune to problems, but it's always been forgiven both by its fans and the box office. Being the climax to such perseverance, Endgame really has a lot going for it. And I think there's a fair amount to enjoy in Endgame for diehard fans, but I'm not so sure if Endgame really pulls together for the casual Marvel fan. But to start off, let's go over what's good about Endgame. I think unlike other films where a director goes, we made this for the fans, Endgame actually was made for the fans. I think the film was made for and by fans who wanted to bring together a final hurrah to what is essentially the first stage of Marvel films. I recognize this is considered Phase 3, but the reality is that everything up to this point was really the first big arc of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Endgame does something pretty creative in calling back to its history. There are also the standard performances we've come to love, and a good balance of each character to really keep everyone entertained. Just like Infinity War, whichever of the main heroes is your favorite, you're going to be satisfied with the amount of screen time they get. Also, there's an audacity to how comic booky Endgame is. This film really embraces the bizarre level of sci-fi that a comic book can be, and I think that's something wonderful, that we're at a point where something so bonkers and weird as this can make $1.2 billion in its first weekend. I would say that this conceptually would open the floodgates to other content creators to get more creative, but in reality, the casual audience member is only headed to the theater for a Marvel film anyway. And that's not a slight or anything. That's just what the numbers show. Movie theaters have been struggling for years now, and I think that's going to continue considering the wealth of other entertainment draws that exist from Netflix to Fortnite. But I digress, that's probably a little too cynical, but it's a good headway into some of the problems I see in Avengers Endgame. For instance, Endgame is near exactly three hours and could have shaved off at least 40 minutes from its runtime. I think the biggest indicator to this is Infinity War, which ran 2 hours and 40 minutes itself. That's a ridiculous runtime Just 4 minutes shy of Blade Runner 2049s, and people were practically snoring over that film. And sure, it didn't have any big fight sequences or bloated comedy, but they do share a giant purple being in common, so I think, you know, that must say something. It, it doesn't. It doesn't say anything. But seriously, there's a lot of fluff in Endgame, and even my wife commented as we drove home that so much of the movie felt like filler. Infinity War, unlike Endgame, didn't have filler because it didn't have time for filler. It knew it couldn't waste any of that time since there were so many characters to juggle and so much to get to. And it's amazing that it worked out so well. And sometimes filler can be enjoyable, don't get me wrong, but Endgame really couldn't afford to have any. In fact, I couldn't help but chuckle when I made the weirdest comparison regarding the use of one particular scene of filler. I... okay. I find myself thinking of Sonic the Hedgehog. And before you say anything, I wrote this script before the trailer dropped for that new movie. And wow, was it wild. But to make sure we stay focused on Endgame, kind of, because I'm about to go on such a tangent here, I started to think of Sonic Generations and how in that game there's a couple mentions of Crisis City, which is one of the levels in the Sonic 06, which is one of the worst games ever. And before I bore you with this tangent uh basically it was just this weird moment in sonic generations where it reminded everybody of the worst game and not only that it confirmed it as a canon part of the story so there's problems there too but basically what i'm trying to get at is that in endgame there didn't seem to be a focus on only evoking the best parts of the marvel universe because at one point there's this strange moment where it calls back to what is arguably the most just worst film in this franchise I don't think it makes sense to state the film I'm talking about because I guess we're just all anal about spoilers now. But when you see it, I think you'll know what I mean. But just it just felt so out of touch to me to draw back into that film of all films. But more importantly, I just wanted to mention this because it made me think of Sonic the Hedgehog and I just found that really funny. So, you know, do with that what you will. And the aforementioned sequence especially landed on the filler end of things, and it even seemed a tad too funny for my interests. I mean, it was already funny because I'm thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog, but that's, you know, that's me. That's that's No one else is thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog, except everyone now who's listening to this, all two of you. But the rest of the film even just kind of seemed a little too funny to my interests, especially when I was hoping for something a lot more like Infinity War to carry over. Not that I wanted Endgame to be dour and tragic, But I wanted things to be taken a little more seriously, and for there not to be a constant stream of jokes being tossed at me in the audience just to laugh at. And of course, that's ignoring how unfunny I find most Marvel humor to be anyway. But I'll be the first to admit that the humor might be less disruptive on a rewatch. I mean, I found Us to be a little too funny on my first time through it, but then I went and saw it a second time and I felt the humor was less distracting and more of a character trait. It made the experience a lot more enjoyable in all honesty. But then I remember how long Endgame is, and I remember all the parts that I would just rather fast forward, and I find it hard to convince myself that another trip to the theater would be even worth my time. So not only do I feel it was too long, and not only did I find a lot of the experience to be filler, and not only do I have zero interest in watching it again, I also find myself relatively disappointed at how Marvel has executed their climactic conclusion to 21 movies. I'm in the minority here. Especially when people are giving this film a collectively higher rating than The Dark Knight, The Godfather Part II, Return of the King, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and basically every other film that's dominated the top 250 movies on IMDb. And I'm not saying that it's bad that people are loving this film. But I step back and I look at what movies are on that list and I think to myself, wow, do people really love it more than those movies? The zeitgeist of our time rates this film higher than Return of the King? I mean, we can all breathe a sigh of relief, because at least when I wrote this, at least when I wrote this, Shawshank Redemption still has kept the number one spot, and hopefully that doesn't change. But I'm not here to act like that rating system is gospel when it comes to films, because we all have personal opinions on our favorites. I love a lot of the standard greats as much as the next guy, but my top 4 is a bizarre mix of borderline exploitation and surreal expression, which, by the way, I've swapped They Look Like People with Sleepaway Camp as one of my top 4, so, you know, just a little update on that. What I'm really trying to emphasize is narrative comparison. I wasn't only thinking of Sonic the Hedgehog when watching Endgame, so, you know, let's just like, you know, put that aside, let's just ignore that. I was thinking a lot about Return of the King, and part of that has to do with the runtime memes that were being posted prior to release. As many were making jokes about how they could sit through Return of the King without having to go to the bathroom, so Endgame wouldn't be a problem. I was thinking about how there's a lot of nuance to the events of Return of the King, how each character defines so much more than what they're experiencing. How something as small as the ring evoked the intense weight of sin and the impossible task of giving it up how the relationships among characters focus so greatly on the need for others to survive such horrendous experiences. There are no scenes in Endgame where characters look over and marvel at the beauty of a flower crown and a decapitated statue of some unknown ancient monarch. Perhaps I'm comparing apples to oranges, or maybe I'm comparing a high school writing project to a college dissertation, or maybe I just sound like some old dated crotchety boomer yearning for the good old days. I'm not sure. And again, I return to the fact that I am in the hard minority here. But I simply found a lot of what was taking place in Endgame to be vacant of anything beyond callbacks to previous films and fan service. There's no meat, is basically what I'm getting at, and sometimes that's okay. I mean, candy exists after all, and candy is what we get, as even Thanos as a character becomes significantly less than what he was in Infinity War. And I recognize that that was his movie, so his screen time is mostly garnered on that basis. But the problem here is that Thanos in Endgame is so vastly different to the Thanos in Infinity War that it can't be anything but a complete oversight on how he was treated in this film from a narrative standpoint. For a film so focused on evoking previous ones in a way to emphasize finality, I can't see how this slipped through the cutting room floor when Infinity War was just a year ago. So what does this mean for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, ultimately, it just doesn't mean anything. I'm not the majority voice, and even if I was, I think the movie would still go on to make a bajillion dollars, and there's simply no end in sight for what Disney-Marvel has planned for us, and Endgame makes sure to remind you of that. I think this is where thoughts of Age of Ultron come to mind, as Ultron constantly sought to set up the next phase without remembering to focus on itself. It was a real shame considering the premise for that one was pretty interesting, yet scene after scene felt chaotic and without focus that ultimately you couldn't help but think you were being sold something the entire time. That thing it's selling, of course, was the next few films that were going to come out. Endgame was not nearly as overt as Age of Ultron, and I think most of the fan service and general excitement of the film makes it easy to forgive this for most people, but how the film emphasizes a new era while trying to end one seems not only counterintuitive, but also a strange slap in the face, and I think Captain Marvel's use in the film is the biggest fault here. I was not a fan of the Captain Marvel movie. It was honestly the first Marvel film I stepped away from feeling incredibly disappointed, and the first to really make me worry about the franchise. Unlike Ant-Man, which at the very least is fun, or those Thor movies which are just good popcorn fodder, Captain Marvel felt superfluous and confused, and without turning this into a Captain Marvel review... My main point is that film seemed unsure of who Captain Marvel is supposed to be, alongside with making her far too powerful. Now, I'm as much a fan of Dragon Ball as the next guy, but even Goku had to train to become stronger, and even then he spent the majority of the Z-Saga comatose in a hospital, so it's not like there was a certainty that he would be okay with every fight. There was always a risk at play, and it was clear that anything could happen, and that was part of the thrill of reading it. Meanwhile, both Captain Marvel's introduction and last few scenes in Endgame are bookends to what we can expect in the next phase for Marvel, and not only do they seem tremendously out of place in a film that's more a conclusion than a send-off, they are juxtaposed against characters that have far more history, far more personal involvement, and also far more squishy. To keep things brief, the final act of the film could have almost entirely been solved by Captain Marvel herself, and that's not a compliment to the writing team at Marvel. That sounds an awful lot like Superman, and when it gets right down to it, that's not even the only way the third act of Endgame evokes Justice League, which isn't even a Marvel film. Look, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what I think anyway, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in complete disagreement with more than two-thirds of the population that's seen this film. Even with the other movies I've reviewed, it's all just my opinion, and people like what they like. That's wonderful, and I'm not looking to take that away from anyone. Preference is subjective, but some qualities of films and storytelling are objective, and that shouldn't be ignored just by preference alone. And I feel there's a lot being ignored about this film by looking at it through rose-colored glasses, and, you know, that's just where I stand with Endgame. And with that, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you saw Endgame, what did you think of it? I'm sure you liked it more than I did, so feel free to sound off with an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com or check me out on Facebook at Cinematic Doctrine. And if you'd like to see my rating for this film or others, check out my letterbox at Paraturtle, where I'll also have a list of all the films we've covered on Cinematic Doctrine with a direct Spotify link to those episodes. I also enjoy writing from time to time, so if you'd like to read some of my stories or any of my works in progress, check me out on Wattpad at Paraturtle. All of this will be available in the description if you so need it. Next time, I'll be covering Joss Whedon's Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. Until then, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.